The Christmas after my father's death, I began my Christmas letter with words from Ecclesiastes. Vanity, vanity, for all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. You see, I didn't think, couldn't even imagine there was really anything else to tell in my Christmas letter, except that my father had died that year. Everything else seemed meaningless. We might find ourselves with this same collective feeling in light of Friday's tragedy. Everyone had things to do on Friday and on Saturday, and perhaps as you looked at your to-do list and your agenda, you had the feeling of vanity, vanity, all is vanity, a chasing after the wind. Additionally, there are members of our congregation who have lost close family members in the last couple of days unrelated to the events of Friday. So for a number of reasons, we might find ourselves saying, what are we even doing? This all seems meaningless. This is the third week of Advent. We light the pink candle. We are invited to rejoice. The king is coming with Christmas just one day away. And we can feel the desire for his arrival. The sadness of this week makes us even more eager for his coming. Peace on earth, we cry. Please, bring a new reality where sorrow and pain are no more. Neither sighing, but life everlasting. And we hear from the prophet Zephaniah in the Old Testament lesson, which was appointed for today, but we have not read. We hear from the prophet Zephaniah these words. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with your oppressors at that time. I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Yes, Lord, these are the promises we want made real. The prophet Zephaniah spoke these words of the Lord. These are the Lord's promises. So when John the Baptist was in the wilderness, reminding his followers of the prophet's words and his certainty that the time for ushering in this new reality was upon them, they find themselves saying, yes, that is what we want. Tell me what I need to do to prepare. This news is for everyone, not just God's chosen people. It's for the crowd. Even the tax collectors and the soldiers in Luke's gospel respond. When Luke refers to the people in his gospel, he's referring to the children of Israel. So we are reminded that the Messiah's coming is for all. This is indeed good news. 
Today, we are invited to rejoice. Perhaps it feels like a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, as we say in one of our Eucharistic prayers, because we don't feel the desire to offer praise and thanksgiving. But we offer it not based on what we are experiencing, but based on God's promises. The joy we are invited to feel is because of our anticipation, our longing for what God has promised. We find ourselves invited into joyfulness because of the future that God has promised. That's what makes Christians different, or at least we would expect it to be. As Christians, we are invited to live joyfully into the anticipation of what God has promised in Jesus Christ. This is faithful living. When I met with the search committee last January, we got to the point in the interview where they asked me if I had any questions for them. I noted that they had shared on the page of expectations in the parish profile something that the rector could expect from the congregation. They said that the rector could expect a faithful community. I asked them what they meant by that. One person felt like she could answer it, and so she said, we are dedicated to prayer and worship. Indeed, you are. I have found you to be a community full of faith in the ways that you care for one another, in your response to the reality around you, in the way that you come together during difficult times. We have the opportunity in the wake of Friday's tragedy to practice being a faithful community. We can practice forgiving. We can practice loving. We can practice compassion we can practice generosity. We can practice prayer. By these practices, we make a way for God's way to be known here on earth. And we make a way for God's promises that we long for to be made real. So we are invited to rejoice this third week of Advent not because everything is good, because it isn't. 26 lives were lost on Friday. Three family members of congregants have been gone too. We are invited to rejoice, not because everything is wonderful, but because God promises that it will be wonderful when he comes again. And so we hear the words of Paul to the church in Philippi. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.